perfect moment. My name is Eric. Um, as you can see on the screen, it says Next Gen Pastor. Um, and so I'm supposed to let you know what that means. Uh, this is uh, just to kind of give you some background of myself. Uh, I'll celebrate my 10-year wedding anniversary um, Wednesday. Yeah. Woo. And so um, I'm thankful for God's grace. Uh, and he led me to a great woman. Her name is Patsy. She's not here this weekend. Uh, she's with... Uh, She's with Eliza this weekend, and let me tell you a little bit about this. Uh, when Patsy and I got married, um, I not only married Patsy, but I also married a three-year-old and a five-year-old, all on the same day. And uh, I want you to know, in the process of 10 years, God has grown me more than I could ever imagine. Um, I had no idea what in the world I was getting into 10 years ago as new parents, you're discovering that day after day. And so uh, luckily, I think babies, though, right, are maybe a little more graceful but more brutal with the crying, right? And so, uh, but with, um, with Emma and Liza, I had a lot to learn, and I continue to have a lot to learn. But let me tell you this, though. Um, my heart is this, is to raise two girls that love the Lord, to at least demonstrate that to them and to help them and to equip them uh, to be followers of Jesus for the rest of their lives. And so that is my heart for my own family, and what I hope to be able to do here in Connection Church, Rinkin, is to extend that to the families of this church. I genuinely want to partner with every family to raise up the future disciple makers of this world inside of your homes. And we know that your exposure to your children is a lot more than our exposure in this church ever will be, simply because of time. And so what we want to do here is we want to partner with you, but one of the main things that I hope to be able to do is to give you tools in the tool chest that you can pull out and say, these are the practical ways that I can actually walk with my children and raise up a future generation of disciple makers. And so there's that spill, all right? And so I'm excited. I'm looking forward to whatever God's going to do here in Connection Church Rinkin. And this is what I know is the leadership of this church is committed to follow God wherever he leads. And so we should be excited about that as a church. And so, so I first started uh, attending Connection Church back in September. And, and let me tell you this in my journey, for the next four weeks, whenever I first started attending, someone besides the preacher preached every Sunday. Like, what in the world? I remember Patsy and I getting in the car going home, they're like, uh, what, what is happening here? This was new to me and to my family. Like, I hadn't really seen anything like this before. And maybe some of you are saying, does that Michael Page fellow ever preach? And so, let me tell you this, he can preach. But if you're thinking that in your mind, it's just small church thinking. It's just small church thinking. And I don't say that to offend, but honestly, I'm hoping to help you zoom out. Connection Church Rinkin exists to make disciples, to multiply churches, and they want to send out their best. And in order for that to happen, people have to be given the opportunity to grow and to exercise their gifts in a safe place. And so this is it, right, church? This is a safe place where they can do that. And so throughout the month of July, you have heard some great men already come up here, and you will hear some great men come up here and to share from God's Word throughout the book of James. And this is a reality, is one of these people that step on this stage to share with you all may be, may be the next person that goes out and actually reaches that unreached people group that we're praying for. Have you thought about that? That actually one of the people that comes across this stage could be the next preacher that goes out and starts the next church plant with Connection Church. And that is awesome, yeah? That's a great thing, and I'm excited, and I am happy that my family and I are able to be part of a supportive church like this. This is what church is supposed to look like. We're supposed to raise people up, not hold them within the walls, but we're supposed to send them out to the nations, and I'm excited to be part of a church that does just that. I hope that you are as well, and so last week, CJ brought it is his first go-around, and he set the bar high for himself for every time after this, all right? But he did an awesome job preaching through James 2. And, and 
Let's start this. Would anybody like to share how they put faith into action this past week? All right. Don't, don't, don't stand up. Don't jump up and share, you know, too quickly, all right? And, and some of you may say, well, this is weird. I have never been to a church that's done that before. And don't worry, we're not going to have public sharing time, all right? And so everyone, like, back down, all right? It's okay. But I want to ask that question, and hopefully it caught you off guard a little bit. Because, see, we're going through the book of James throughout the month of July, And James, everything that has to do with this book, right, is not just about knowing the word, but it's about living out the sermons that we hear, living out the words of scripture as we read them and as we see them, right? It's not just about hearing it, but it's about doing it. And so I want you to consider this this morning, all right? If you're not putting into application, into action, what you're hearing on Sunday mornings, you may be missing the boat, all right? Let me put it more directly. You are missing the boat, all right? And so, think about that and consider that, okay? Our affirmation of faith must be fleshed out in our actions. Our affirmation of faith must be fleshed out in our actions. And so, what I want to do is I want to read through the first part of James chapter 3, Um, And so you have those back there in the slides. It's not in what I gave you, but it's right there, okay? So just follow through with me. In James chapter 3, I want us to read this together. And so follow along. It's going to be on the giant Bible behind me. Perfect. And hopefully you have your Bibles. And so here we go. Not many should become teachers, my brothers, because you know that we will receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways... If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is mature, able also to control the whole body. Anybody feel convicted yet? Yeah? Okay. Here we go. Verse 3. Now if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we direct their whole bodies. And consider ships, though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So too, though, the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider a small fire set ablaze a large forest, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among our members. It stains the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Conviction in anyone? Reptile and fish is tamed and has been tamed by humankind. Poison. With the tongue we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in God's These things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Neither can a saltwater spring yield fresh water. All right, let me pray. Father God, we're so thankful for our time together this morning, and you have already blessed us with the opportunity to observe the giving of your son Jesus but also our invitation to be in relationship with you through the blood of Jesus. And we praise you for that, Lord. Now, as we look at your word this morning, my prayer is that you will convict our hearts. And the Father, that you will lead us in a path that honors you. We know that faith without works is dead. And so, Father, help us to see the application that we need in our lives and convict us in that way. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen. All right, so here we go. We read through the first 13 verses or 12 verses of James chapter 3, and I'm not going to preach on any of them. I'm not going to preach on any of them. I'm going to preach on the second part of this. And I know that Michael, he, whenever he was putting this preaching team together and mapping out who would preach what chapter, I know he chose me to preach chapter 3 on purpose. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks a lot. Uh, Michael, he often calls me the diplomat. He jokes and says that I should run for mayor of Rinkin because of how I choose my words at times. I try to be careful. Uh, And I'm going to let you know that that has been a refining process throughout my life. It is my natural tendencies to cut you so bad that you wish you'd never been cut so bad. (laughs) And I have to be careful. I have to be careful of that. Because that is the flesh part of me. But over time, the Lord has 
worked and continues to work in my life. And, and so I try to be wise with the way that I use my words. But I'm not going to preach on the first 12 verses of this chapter because I think really the last part of this chapter determines the application of the first part of this chapter. So I want you to stick with me as we go through picking up in James chapter 3 verse 13. So make sure your Bibles are open. If not, we'll have everything up on the screen so you can track with us, all right? And then we're going to get to some hard, heavy application by the end of this, okay? So be ready. So here we go. We come to a question in James chapter 3 verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Who is wise and understanding among you? Did y'all know that we have more knowledge at our fingertips today than ever before? I think it was back in like 2010 or something, the Google CEO, Eric Schmidt, he made the statement, every two days we now create as much information as we did from the dawn of civilization up until 2003. We have access to more information than ever before. We literally live in a time when information is exploding and is immediately accessible on our phones, on our tablets, on our computers, now with our favorite AI chatbot on Snapchat, right? Like, I mean, it's always available to us. But here is the question, and this is the question that we must all answer. With all of the knowledge and information that is available to us now, are you any wiser? Are you any wiser? The Bible is all about us becoming wise and understanding. How many of you have ever like read a chapter of Proverbs every day? Anybody ever taken on an adventure like that? Yeah, several of you, right? You can read through and you can read one chapter every day of the month and then you can start over. And trust me, you will need to start over. And that's how the journey of wisdom is, right? It's ongoing. But this is what Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 says. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. The main emphasis, or one of the main emphasis, let me say this, of the entire Bible is fear of the Lord. This is the beginning point, okay? Like, in order for us to really understand and appreciate how much we need a Savior, we really need to have a healthy understanding and a fear of God. We have to understand this. And so, this is the reality, though. And you fit in this reality. Are you ready? There are two classes of people. Two classes. Those who fear the Lord and fools who do not. Those who fear the Lord and fools who do not. So a fool, let's define that. It's not just someone who makes a mistake or or just seems to be going down the wrong path for a moment. It's not somebody that maybe just can't quite figure it out. In Proverbs, the fool is the one who doesn't follow God's way. He's the one who knows the right thing to do, but instead does the opposite or simply does nothing. Do you hear that? That doing the opposite of what God's want and knowing what God's want and choosing to do nothing is the same thing. Now that one can be tough. So... In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 2, it says that complacency of fools will destroy them. In the New Testament, the contrast is between the believer and the unbeliever, the saved and the lost, those in the light and those who walk in the darkness. And this is a reality that all of us fit in one of those two areas. And so this morning, I hope by the time that we get to the end of this, you can clearly see which side of the fence you're on. Because it is imperative that you figure that out now and make the decision of where you want to be. So, CJ talked about this last week, and this is so true, and every person needs to hear this. Wisdom doesn't just come as part of getting older. Just because you have more gray hair than someone else, or maybe lack hair than someone else, doesn't mean that you're necessarily wiser than someone else. 
Okay? Wisdom doesn't come necessarily with age. See, we'll get it whenever we go after it. Whenever we pursue wisdom is whenever we will start gaining wisdom. This is a saying that I think fits so well to this. We can only be young once, but we can be immature indefinitely. And so Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Wisdom is supreme. So get wisdom. And whatever else you get, get understanding. So what price are you willing to pay to get wisdom? What are you willing to do in order to gain wisdom? What sacrifices are you willing to make? Proverbs chapter 8 verse 11 says, For wisdom is better than jewels, and nothing desirable can equal it. Man, think about all the time maybe that you put into gaining jewels or maybe the riches of this world. Would you be willing to put in as much time in gaining wisdom? You and I, we can become by following the invitation of James chapter 1 verse 5. Now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. This is probably something that we should introduce to our prayer life every day. Lord, make me understand your ways and apply them in my life. Make me wiser, Lord. So let's look at this second half of James chapter 3, verse 13. All right, we were already able to ask the question, who among you is wise and understanding? And, and so here we go. This is what we have to understand, and this is what we've established. Obviously, knowledge and education is not enough to become wise. We must show it how we, by how we live. So this is what it says, by his good conduct... He should show that his works are done in the gentleness that comes from wisdom. You catch that? He should show. He should show. If you have your own Bible, you should underline that. He should show. And so, this right here is an emphatic imperative. What that means is there should be an exclamation point right there after that. All right? It's a command, and it is a strong statement that maybe it would be in all caps in today's texting world. All right? It's an emphatic imperative, and it goes along with what James chapter 2, verse 18 says. I will show you my faith by what I do. So if you say that you're wise, then prove it by the way that you live your life. Show me that you're wise. Don't tell me about all your wisdom. Show me. So let's continue to track here, all right? So knowledge comes from books. Wisdom comes from the book. Knowledge is the accumulation of facts, but wisdom is the God-given ability to apply them in every situation in your life. And so the true test of wisdom is works, not IQ. And so one pastor, I heard him say this at one point, it says it's not measured by IQ, but CQ, by character quotient. So what does your life look like? The phrase good conduct can be translated in verse 13, as a beautiful lifestyle. So think about this for a moment. So your good conduct can be translated by a beautiful lifestyle. So unfortunately, we have a bad definition of a beautiful lifestyle. The world has translated a beautiful lifestyle um, in this very uh, adulterated way. Because unfortunately, whenever we think about a beautiful lifestyle... We think about maybe our latest Instagram reel, right, of uh, someone that is a world traveler. They're at the islands off the coast of Greece. Y'all can, like, picture this now with those, like, white buildings going up the picture, like, over the, you know, mountainside and all that, the beautiful blue waters. And it's like, if I can get to this, then I'm living a beautiful lifestyle. Or if I'm sponsored by maybe the, the latest, uh, you know, Amazon shopper or whatever, you know, and they just send me stuff for free and I try it on and get paid for this. That's a beautiful lifestyle. I think that's oftentimes what our world defines it as. It's defined as possessions, power, popularity, pleasure. That's what a beautiful lifestyle looks like through the scope or through the lens of this world. But I want you to notice this, that we demonstrate wisdom by the way we live and how we act with humility. That's tough. 
It's tough. Whenever we hear the word humility, I think, again, we think of a lot of different things. I, I think, unfortunately, we go to this place of being humiliated. And so then we think of, well, I don't like it whenever I feel humiliated. It makes me feel less. And so then we equate, right, humility is this. Well, then I must go around with my head down and everyone walking all over me, and it's going to be a tough life. But humility is not weakness because it actually means strength under control. All right? And so it is a choice that we make in a way that we live. And so in my experience is this, and I want you to hear this carefully. My experience, and as I study scripture more and more, has led me to understand that God can work through the humble and those that live in humility much more than he can work in the proud and the boastful. And so if your natural tendency is to go around flexing saying, Look at what I can do. Look at what I have done. And putting your life on display for the world to praise you. Then I would tell you to maybe stand down. Pray. And look at God's word and what he's calling us to. Also know this is oftentimes when pride is in my life. I leave unfulfilled and frustrated. And I'm exhausted because I'm always in pursuit of who's going to praise me or what's going to bring me fulfillment next. But whenever I live in humility in connection and relationship with a creator, there's joy, there's peace, and there's fulfillment there. So I want you to consider this, all right, and think about this. And so... Um, I, I think that uh, what I want us to look at, all right, and, and this is a, a, a famous way to uh, go through uh, this last part of James 3, is there's two different types of wisdom that we're going to contrast, all right? And we're going to contrast in a couple different ways. We're going to contrast the origins uh, of where this wisdom come from. We're going to uh, look and contrast the operation, right, of what it looks like very practically. And we're going to look at the outcomes of these different types of wisdom, and they're contrasted uh, in, in the last part of James 3. So the origins, all right, where it comes from. Where does this wisdom come from? So let's look at where these different ki- types of wisdom originate from. So first, wisdom from below. Wisdom from below. So look at verse 15. Such wisdom does not come from above, but is earthly. So such wisdom does not come from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. James, getting tough on us, am I right? Like, I mean, he's going like hard right there. Like, earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. This this triad of enemies is called the world, the flesh, and the devil, just in case you're missing out on it. All right, I want to make sure that this is clear and that you're tracking with me. James starts with the least and he moves to the worst. And so, let's look, earthly. For most people, wisdom is measured in worldly terms. We tend to live not for wisdom, but what? For people's opinions and their approval. Whenever we go to somebody and we have a situation in our life, rarely, I think, do we approach them and say, listen, I really need some godly, biblical wisdom from you. We go and we share whatever is going on in our life, and then we just look for their opinions and hope that it's okay, maybe. I think that that's why it's so important to surround yourself with good biblical community. I need people around me that value the same things as me. And that should be God and his word above all other things. So then that way, if I go to Michael or to somebody else in this church, right, I can come to you and I know that you're displaying to me not earthly wisdom, not your opinion, but what God needs me to hear. Now, how about unspiritual? In Greek, this word describes animals that are only concerned about survival. All right, so maybe you're getting the idea. It has the idea of being controlled by emotions or what feels right. Luckily, our culture doesn't battle this at all, right? No, we're good. Unfortunately, maybe this is the most polarizing thing that we see, right? Whatever makes you feel good, Whatever makes you feel accepted. 
whatever is just going on like in your life, send it out to the universe and let's just all huddle around you singing spiritual songs together. This is tough, church. It leads to a bad ending, but honestly, it is a hopeless road. Let me just be clear. Just because something feels right does not make it right, okay? God defines what is right, and we should follow that. Now, for us, he says demonic. Now, a lot of us might say, oh, just gets right down to it and says demonic. And then suddenly we're like, I guess earthly, but that doesn't mean it's demonic. And we'll let God's word convict you, all right? And so, listen, this is strong, strong language. And it's what we need to hear in order for conviction to take place. And Michael has said it a hundred times from up here. In order for conversion to take place, conviction must take place. So wrestle with this. This is some strong language that's very similar to what James said about the tongue in verse... 6 of chapter 3. Is itself set on fire by hell? He's talking about your tongue there, right? Beginning in Genesis chapter 3, when Satan urged Eve to go against God in order to become wise. That was the goal, right? That suddenly then their eyes would be opened up and they could see things the way that God sees them. He's just trying to like keep you shielded, right? Behind all of this. That's what Satan tempted them with. Well, listen here. Satan is the god of this world. You hear that? Like, it is evil. It is demonic. He continues to to really push a path that runs counter to God. That is his goal. If he can water it down and you can call it earthly, well, guess what? God calls it demonic. And so we have to wrestle with that, church. We need to understand that, that if it doesn't honor God, then that means it's against God and it's of Satan. It's a tough reality. But we need to see it as though God sees it. And so, here we go. Let's look at the contrast, all right? Let's look at the contrast. Let's look at some good stuff, all right? Wisdom from above. So verse 17, it spells out the contrast. But wisdom from above. Now, it's pretty simple. I like James' simplicity of his words here. It makes it easy. I can track with this. But this really takes us back to chapter 1, verse 17. James does a good job of this throughout like continues to hit on themes and circle back to them throughout his book. And this is what we see in chapter 1, verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. You see that? Everything good comes from God. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6, it says, For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Here's the big difference. Wisdom... From below comes from reason. Wisdom from above comes from revelation. You hear this? God wants to speak into your life. He wants to give you wisdom. The question is this, is do you have a heart and a posture to receive that? The stuff that I'm pursuing, it may be of this world. God, help me to put me in line with your word so that I understand your will and I take on a mind like yours. Help me to see that. In the way that you see it. All right, so here we go. Wisdom from below, wisdom from above. How does it function? What's this operation? And so their origins are obviously vastly different, but they also operate very differently. Wisdom from below. Look at verse 14. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. In our age of texting acronyms like LOL and IDK, I actually have come across a new acronym that I was not familiar with. And it's not Trevor's acronym of G2G. That's his new thing. He's in it, all right? And so good to go, just in case you were wondering, all right? I was slow on it, all right? I'm sorry. I got it now. Um, But W-I-I-F-M. W-I-I-F-M. Yeah, some of y'all are like, wait a minute. I hadn't heard this before. You ready for this? It is, you're going to say, oh, duh. What's in it for me? What's in it for me? Some of you are like, I would never text that. But I would think that all day, all right? And so here we go. What's in it for me? So wisdom from below, the wisdom of this earth is, listen, corrosive. 
Do you, do you know what corrosive is? I used to work in the pool industry uh, right after I got out of Bible college. And chlorine, that stuff that you swim in, is very corrosive. In fact, if you put it on metal and leave it there for a while, literally there will be no metal left. It is extremely, extremely corrosive. So I want you to get this in mind. It literally just takes the metal away. And so wisdom from below is corrosive. And this is why. Because wisdom from below says that it's all about me. It's all about me. What's in it for me? We make it all about us. And so whenever we're envious, right? Whenever we have envy in our hearts, whenever we have bitterness there, selfish ambition there, we want what someone else has, had, what someone else has. Our culture says, well, you should want that because your wants are your wants. And so go to whatever extent to get that. And then what ends up happening is this becomes so strong that this is now what is in our hearts. And this is what fuels our life. We start making decisions based on these things. And it's corrosive. It's corrosive to our lives. Selfish ambition, it's all about, well, me getting ahead. It's all about me. This phrase was used to people who entered politics for selfish reasons. I'm the best that could ever be. Choose me. That's the idea. Now, surely none of us would go around saying that that's the attitude we want to have or that's the identity that we would want to have. But again, we have to practically look at the decisions that we make and how we live. That's the test. So King Saul, he was basically destroyed because of his bitter envy towards David. I'm reminded in Proverbs 14.30, a tranquil heart is life to the body, but jealousy is rottenness to the bones. And we read this in Job chapter 5, verse 2, for anger kills a fool and jealousy slays the gullible. Now, let's look at the contrast. Wisdom from above, this is what we're chasing after, so tell me about this, all right? So instead of bitter envy and selfish ambition, biblical wisdom operates very differently. We see it in verse 17, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without pretense. Worldly wisdom crowns self. Do you hear this? Worldly wisdom crowns self. But heavenly wisdom crucifies self. There are two main distinctives of wisdom that come from above. Two main ones, and then we're going to see the others that trickle off of that. The first one is this, it's pure, pure. This is the first quality that James lists, but it's more than just the first on the list. It's really the overarching characteristic of not only godly wisdom, but a godly life. Right? We need to be pure at heart. And so this refers to holiness and to living totally sold out to Christ. Jesus put it like this in Matthew chapter 5 verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Next one is this, is peace loving. Wisdom from above is pure and it's also peace loving. Purity speaks of one's relationship with God and peace loving characterizes our ability to get along with others. You hear this? So we get this right, right? Our relationship with God is right, and then it impacts all of this. And so this is so important. You have to go in that order, okay? And so if you find yourself always looking for a fight, something's not right. And you should quit looking to this and start looking to this, okay? And so the first thing that you must do is make peace with God and in order to do that, and how you do that, is by putting your faith in Jesus. James, he lists six other qualities that to relate to being a lover of peace as we walk through them. All right, look at this. All right, take an inventory in your life. All right, let the Spirit move in your heart and convict you where you might need convicting this morning. First one is this, is gentle. Are you gentle and reasonable with others, or would you say that you're harsh and abrasive? Inventory check. 
Compliant. All right? And so this one's tough, I think, for people to understand. Are you submissive, approachable, and willing to yield to others? Or do you always feel the need to be right? All right? Do you hear me in that? It's not always saying that someone else is always right. All right? That's not what compliant means, okay? But are you willing to say, you know what? Maybe I don't always have it right. And I need to listen to someone else in some situation. Are you one of those people that says, I have to have things my way? Full of mercy. Are you compassionate with those who are hurting? And do you look for practical ways to help? Okay. Are you compassionate with those who are hurting? And do you look for practical ways to help? CJ talked about this last week in James 2, 15 and 16. Right? It talks about providing food and clothes to those in need. It says, if a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, stay warm, be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? To be honest, I'm really excited about opportunities that we have here inside of this church to take part in opportunities like that. Uh, I know that we have serve days coming up, but one of the great ways that we can do that right now is... Like with Connect 127, our foster families ministry that we have going on. It's giving us the opportunity, okay, to care for foster families. We would say, right, compassion. We can extend that in these situations with foster children within our community. And so these are opportunities to where you are able, we are able to get involved in these opportunities in a, check this, a safe space. So then that way... We can see other opportunities outside of this place to extend compassion. But this is a great place where we can start. And so, the next one in the list is good fruit. And this is a real test. Good fruit. Do you see spiritual fruit in your life? Paul, he has a list of those in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Can you say... Yep, I have those in my life. And if you say that, yes, I have those in my life, honestly, you're missing the boat here. I go through this list and I'm like, I need to work on that one. So if you're saying I got all those right and you're putting a check next to every single one of those things, you're not being honest with yourself, okay? And so there are areas of those that I need to work on. The question is this, though, am I identifying those? Am I willing to let God convict me of those? And am I willing to work on And so, here's the next one is unwavering. Unwavering. Would people say that you're hypocritical or would they say that you're the real deal? The people in your circles outside of this place know that you're a follower of Jesus. Do they know what your walk with the Lord is like? And are they seeing the fruits of that? So, here's the outcomes. What does the results look like? One can really see the difference between earthly wisdom and heavenly wisdom by honestly looking at those fruits I just talked about. They produce very different things. Wisdom from below. So worldly wisdom leads to some, honestly, some pretty foul fruit. It's some bad stuff. In verse 16 it says, For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder and every evil practice. This is the second time that James refers to envy and selfish ambition. One commentary describes what happens when these are present is everything is unsettled and agitated. Would would you say that that defines your life? Is that a fruit of your life? Is your life unsettled? Is it agitated right now? The word disorder, it describes instability. And what it is, is, is a state of chaos and confusion. So, incidentally, all right, if you're trying to do life without Jesus Christ at the center, you will not have purity and you will not experience peace in your life. There will always be disorder. If you don't know Christ, you will be filled with chaos. You will always be in the constant state of searching for what's next. And it will always leave you desiring what's next and what's next. Whenever... This came to mind, I was reminded of the Tower of Babel. The people of the world, uh, they're leaning on worldly wisdom at this point. We talk about this in uh, heart and soul. 
And what they've done is they've decided to come together and they wanted to build this tower in order to get to heaven, right? So that people would see this tower from all over the world and they would be awe of them and not of God. They wanted to get the glory. And so what it was was they were filled with pride and God disapproved of this evil practice and therefore what God did is he scattered them and he scrambled all their languages as a result. And, and listen, it doesn't work when we try to do things our way for our glory. Do you hear this? In your life, if you are doing things for your glory, your own way, if you're not seeking godly wisdom in your life, then it is going to lead to chaos and confusion in your life and you're never going to be satisfied. It just doesn't work. Because our need is always this. We need God to come down in order to find forgiveness, but also to find peace. And he did come down when he sent Jesus to be the Savior of the world. And that's the invitation that he continues to offer to each of us. And this is what's tough, though, all right? And this is why James is so hard. Because, honestly, I can guess that the majority of you in this room that says, yes, I have found that. I've accepted that. I know that. I have the knowledge of that. But the question is, is are you seeing the application of that and the fruits of that in your life? So I want you to remember the truth of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33. And God says that, or Paul writes, for God is not a God of disorder, right, but of peace. And so this is how God works. So wisdom from above, in verse 18, this is the description, how the root of godly wisdom results in some very, honestly, attractive fruit. We all want this, right? And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. Bring me peace, Lord. Is this not something that so many, if not all people of all nations, desire? They desire peace. And I know people right here in Rinkin, Georgia, are desiring peace right now. I know people in this room at Connection Church Rinkin are desiring peace in their life right now. Satan loves chaos. He loves it. He wants to bring chaos in your life. He wants to do anything to disrupt and disturb you. So you know why? You will take your gaze off of Jesus. The desire is peace. And so there's a, a paraphrase that says, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So here's a challenge for each of us today. We need to start planting peace in other people's lives this week. You can introduce peace into people's lives. When they see you planting peace in their lives, you know what? They will take notice. They'll say, what's your story? How is this possible? And you're able to say, through the power for you to plant peace in other people's lives, you have to find peace, right, out of purity in all of us. And he can help us and allow us to help. If the Fruit is, if the root is right, then the fruit's going to be right. So each of us has a choice. There's the options. You can either follow the world, worldly wisdom or godly wisdom. In Isaiah 32, 17, it says the fruit of righteousness will be peace. The effect of righteousness will be quietness and confidence forever. Now, I've talked through these verses. Now let's get ready for some application questions here. All right? I'm going to wrap this up this morning, and I want us to get real. Because oftentimes I think what happens is we come in and we say, I've done what is right because I've shown up here. Okay? But I want to remind you that the book of James is all about faith in action. Faith in action. So with that in mind, the question is this, is how would you define your life? Is the fruit of your life purity, creating peace in your own life and in your relationships? Are you gentle even when things get tough and hard things must be said? Are you someone that's full of mercy or would you say that your life is full of chaos, full of bitterness towards others, living only for your own desires, wanting everything that the world has to offer? I didn't teach on the first part of chapter 3 because I think that really and truly... Our heart steers, right, what comes out of our mouths. And so if my heart is set on the things of this world, then honestly, the things of this world are going to come out of my mouth. 
But if I meditate on God's word and want to have God's wisdom in my life and in my heart, then guess what? God's wisdom steers my tongue. That's what takes place. And I don't have to ask you these straightforward questions because this is a reality. Your talk and your post on social media in your life tell us all what you're pursuing. It's no secret. Everybody knows it. Anybody that you spend any kind of time with knows what kind of wisdom you're pursuing. And that's tough. Some of you are like, no way. That, that, that's not true. But it is. You're just living in a false identity. And it's a false hope. I know for a fact that there are some people, right, that maybe even in this room today that are in pursuit of worldly wisdom and fleshly notoriety. That's a reality. And I'll be honest, if I'm going to say that I'm pursuing godly wisdom at all times of my life, then I'm a liar. I desire that, but I'm not always good at the application of it. And so the reality is, is there is someone, right, even in this room that is struggling with that today. So do you use your mouth and your social media platforms to promote you and, well, the earthly kingdom that you think is worth building? Do you say things uh, that maybe are meaningful and get compliments and just get likes and clicks? And, well, that brings, unfortunately, disorder whenever it relates back to God's kingdom. James, he says that the tongue is the rudder of your life. But the choice is this for each of us, is who's going to be the captain of the ship? That's the question. You see, earthly wisdom, it tells me that I need to gain more knowledge and experience. And as I do that, well then, then, then life will get lined up and in order. Then I'll be able to do things the way that I want to do them. I I need to discover who I am and what makes me happy. And whatever, wherever that leads me is right. And that should be accepted and even celebrated by the world around me. That's what earthly wisdom tells me. But heavenly wisdom lays it out very plainly. It tells me that I need to die to myself so that Christ may live in me and through me. And as this process takes place, every part of my being is handed over to Christ and becomes an instrument and tool for him in building his kingdom. Here it is, church. Here's the reality. We live in the South, and we say we go to church, and Drew, go ahead, and we buy shirts like this. I've got a good heart, but this mouth. Come on. Listen, if you're looking for this, academy.com, all right? And so, but listen, this is what we do, though, and this is what we end up doing, is we justify areas of our life, and we say, well, I love God, and God has my heart, but there's just some areas that are off limit. And because we struggle more in some areas, we use an excuse of saying, well, you know, at least I went to church. You know, at least I served. And we put all these things in there, and what we're doing is we're holding areas back of our life instead of going all in. Instead of saying, you know what? He's worth it. He's worth it. Whatever it is in this earth that, that, you know what, that I think I need, he's worth it. He's worth it. Regardless of how much I may struggle with this, I need to die to that, and I need to give it over to Jesus. Let me also tell you this. It's hard. Oh, it is hard. It is a process that takes place every single day. It it, it can be so tough because you want to say it so bad or you want to respond so bad and you say, how dare them? I can't believe I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. I'm going to do this. And then you're going to say, you know what? Not me, but Christ. But earthly wisdom says, I'm about to give it to them full blast. And they deserve it. And then we justify it. This is hard, church. I'm not saying it's easy. Heavenly wisdom tells me that every part of me must be transformed so that God's glory can be on full display through me. 
And it can't be on full display until I completely die to each of those areas in my life. I want you to know that your identity is not found in your experiences. Your identity is not found in your possessions. Your identity is secure in Christ Jesus. And that is the best news that any of us can have. That you, when you accept Jesus as your Savior, your identity is no longer the people of this world, but you are now the sons and the daughters of the Most High God. And if you're a son and daughter of Him, then you're praising Him this morning for it. Some of you might be honestly in turmoil this morning. I'm searching for peace, but I just haven't quite found anything yet that will deliver. Let me let you know that when you choose Jesus, he'll never let you down. That chaos and turmoil is still part of this world, but peace is found in Jesus Christ. And regardless of how chaotic life may be around me, the Prince of Peace has always got it under control. And he delivers peace. This morning, for anybody that is struggling with that, struggling with where your identity might lie, maybe you're saying, you know what, at one point I vocalized that I wanted Jesus Christ as my Savior, right? You said that. Think about the powers of your, of your words. Think about Romans chapter 10, right? says if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, then you'll be saved. Think about that. There's power. There's power. But maybe some of you need to come back and say, you know what? I've been holding things back. I've been holding things back from Jesus. I want you to surrender those things this morning. Die to those things this morning so that Jesus may live in you. And as each of us do that, we can hold each other up. We can keep each other accountable. But honestly, we can go and reach the nations like God has called us to do. And so what I want to do is I'm going to pray for us. We're going to sing another song. And as we do that, I would like you to come in conviction of whatever that is in your life and to surrender that to Jesus. If you want to pray in your seat where you're at, if you want to come up here and pray, then do that this morning. If you want to pray with one of these people on the wall, if you're like, you know what, like I'm looking for this peace. They can walk you through that this morning. They're committed to that. This is a community that we're a part of. And so make the decision where you're at today. But don't do this. Don't say, you know what? There's no room for me to act this morning because there is space to do that. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your son and we thank you that he has made a way. Father, when there was no other way, your son made a way. And so Father, we are thankful that you sent your son Jesus to rescue us from death and bring life. And so this morning, for anybody that is battling with the flesh, that is struggling with dying to self today, my prayer is that they will get a glimpse of what it is to have heavenly wisdom, wisdom from above. The Father, that they will submit to that today. Father, we love you and we thank you. We thank you for sending a Savior. Help us to submit to that this morning. We pray all this in the name of Jesus.